When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to the Arsenal Way and yes we are back at you with another Press Box episode and as always we have Kaya Kainak next to me. Kaya, how are you mate? I'm good thank you. Arsenal back to winning ways so I'm in a much better mood today. Of course, we're all happy, we're all happy but before we talk about Arsenal I just want to touch on the, something Arsenal not involved in and that's the Champions League draw of course they got <laughs> rescheduled. Is it a blessing in disguise that we're not in the draw Kaya? <laughs> yeah, who would want to be in the Champions League anyway <laughs> if that's the way they're handling the draws? Um no, it's very much not a blessing in disguise that Arsenal aren't in the Champions League. Maybe this season for like how they're trying to qualify for Europe and having less games, I guess that will come into play later in the season when teams start to get more injuries and that kind of stuff. You look at like West Ham, who seems to be tiring maybe a little bit. Well, I guess they'll come to West Ham a little bit later. But um, no, I don't think it's a blessing in disguise. I think Arsenal would definitely want to be, even with all the all the craziness that happened with the Champions League draw this morning, I think Arsenal would definitely like to be in the competition for sure. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You're not wrong there, Kaya. But um, let's go back to Arsenal now. And we, uh, we did speak briefly on the last show about Arsenal and Southampton, but what a performance it was. 3-0. We didn't expect that. I didn't expect three goals to nil. Did you expect that either? No, I didn't. Um, I don't know if the performance was as good as 3-0. Mm. Um, second half, it was, it was good. Um, first half, well, the first half of the first half, it was terrible. So up until the goal, basically. And then things changed. So they started, they looked really nervous. Um, you could tell there was sort of the hangover from the Everton game, the Man United game, where, um, pardon me, I've got a bit of a cold, so maybe that's uh, coming through when I'm speaking. But um, yeah, they just seemed a little bit nervous playing out from the back, just a little bit slow. The passes were being misplaced. The things weren't quite going right. And um, yeah, it needed that goal. It needed just that that beautiful goal from back to front. Things just, just click. And then when they saw that, because the way Southampton pressed is so high, I think we spoke about this, but there, there was always going to be opportunities if Arsenal could play around it and they, they managed to find a way. And instead of sort of losing faith with the issue, they, they kept playing through. And I think that was good. And it was really nice to see. Um, it's nice to see a, a lovely team goal to sort of reap the, reap the rewards of it because I think Arsenal are a team capable of playing those kind of goals, uh, playing that kind of football, sorry, scoring those kind of goals. But um, they don't do it often enough. So it's nice to see. And then obviously after the Lacazette goal, then came the Odegaard goal and then done deal, really. But I think, yeah, Southampton, the way they play, did play into Arsenal's hands a bit. And it'll be interesting to see if that continues. But I think it was needed just in terms of confidence. By the end, a lot of the players looked a lot better confidence-wise. And yeah, I think that's, that's a good thing for Arsenal. Like that. Absolutely. You did mention the build-up play for the first goal. And that goal reminded me of uh, Manchester City in the 2009-20 season at FA Cup, how we built the goal and then against Liverpool in the Community Shield. Is this a sign that the players are getting back on board and we have seen Arteta ball in the flesh right there, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I don't know if the players were, were off board, really. I think they, 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 they've always been capable. It's just a confidence thing. Um, Arsenal will play out from the back. That's one of their big principles. And I think when they're pressed to quite a high intensity, particularly away from home, they tend to lose confidence and start going long. And maybe they start giving the ball away a lot easier. We saw that Anfield, we saw that at Old Trafford and to a lesser extent at Everton as well. Um, 
But I think Arsenal are a team capable of doing that. All their players in the squad pretty much now. You don't really look at any of them and think, oh, he's not very technically good. Uh, all of them are really good on the ball. So I think Arsenal are definitely capable of doing that, particularly with the signings Arteta has made. And Arteta was delighted with the goal afterwards. And I think he would he would like to see his team playing like that a lot more. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, think, I think we all would. But okay, I think we need to address the biggest elephant in the room here that has been the main talking point for Arsenal recently, and that's the absence of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Now, of course, he was punished for a breach of disciplinary issues, but it was it came out that he would, he had to travel to France with his mother, but he came back too late. Kaya, was the his admit was his admission from the squad fair? Should he have still played on the... Uh, I think it was fair. I think... Um... Lateness is something Mikel Arteta has always been very clear that is a non-negotiable for him. And um, we don't obviously know the circumstances around why Aubameyang was late. We know sort of what caused him to be late, if that makes sense. But we don't mm. know what happened between that Wednesday night and the Thursday. So I wouldn't want to speculate. But at the same time, um, I think it's fair enough to drop him for it. What I do maybe have a bit of an issue with is the way it was done so publicly. So you think about back in the day when Mesut Ozil maybe had some disciplinary issues. Wenger wouldn't come out and say... I've dropped him because of this. He would say he's got a, a sore back or he's ill or something like that. And Arsenal could have done the same. People knew that Aubameyang wasn't at training on Friday. They could easily have said, look, he was ill, so we didn't let him come in because of COVID. But um, that's the way they chose to deal with it. It's the second time Arteta has chose to deal with it this way. And I don't think uh, Aubameyang is particularly happy with the fact it was dealt with so publicly, um, which I think is fair enough. And I think it really caused him to question his captaincy. Um, do you want someone who is going to continue to sort of, I guess break the rules as your main leader in the squad. It's a difficult one to 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 manage for Mikel Arteta. He's chosen to do it this way. It worked against Southampton. I wonder if it will work for the rest of the season. You just think Aubameyang is going to be going away for a month now. Um, if he's back available on Wednesday against West Ham, does he come straight back into the team? On form, probably no. But then if he's dropped, it's going to look even more weird. So it's just created a little bit more of a storm than it needed to by doing it so publicly. And I think Arteta may have been better served to keep it in-house but listen that's just a matter of opinion and I think lots of people will disagree and I'd be absolutely fine with anyone who, who wanted to disagree with that I think there's, there's lots of valid points of view on this one yeah absolutely yeah, I think the second time now really did hit the hammer home I think uh doing it twice is really a big problem and it's in the space of a year as well of course he's done it in the build-up to the Tottenham game and it is really affecting the squad you are the squad leader at the end of the day and I do agree with you Kai. I just want to say though imagine let's say Arteta does strip Aubameyang of the captaincy who would you promote as being the Arsenal captain so we've got a panel piece coming out on this mm -hmm. later today both of us and Chris Wheatley as well our colleague and Hush as well from the fan brand side of things um so maybe I don't want to I don't want to spoil that, but I guess I'll, I'll give my answer here for the people who are sensible enough to watch these videos and listen to our podcast. Um, for me, I wouldn't actually change the captaincy at all. I'd, I'd keep it the way it is. I don't think there's enough. Uh, I don't think there's a natural successor to warrant a change in captaincy. So look at who the contenders are. Lacazette doesn't play every week. Erdogan's captain Norway doesn't play every week. Uh, Granit Xhaka, you can't give it to him because of what happened before at Crystal Palace. Uh, then you're looking. Players like Kieran Tierney hasn't been playing every week. And then if you give him the captaincy, what does that say to Nuno Tavares, who's been really good since he came in? Uh, Aaron Ramsdale is a leader within the dressing room, but is very young still. And he's a guy who he started so well, but he will have problems. It's just the, it's, it's, it will happen within an Arsenal shirt. And you wonder when he's going through that, will he want to be having to deal with the difficulty that comes with being captain as well? I think that'd be a lot for someone who's only 23 and someone who, yeah, he's bound to have problems at some point as well as he's played as good as a player as I, I'm 
amazed that he is. I'm, I'm really happy with how he's progressed in an Arsenal shirt. Um, beyond that, then maybe Gabriel, but is his communication skills not good, good enough? I don't know if his English has improved, but I don't think he's good enough communication-wise to be a leader within the squad right now. Beyond that, there's not many. Um, Thomas Partey, maybe. I wouldn't say a really captain material. And then Saka Smith-Rowe, both too young. So, I, I mean, yeah, we've gone through all the candidates there. For me, that's why Aubameyang has to keep the captaincy. The argument I would sort of understand for stripping of the captaincy is now Arteta could sort of argue that if he doesn't want to drop Aubameyang on form, it's not as big a deal. So now when Aubameyang doesn't play, like at Everton on Monday, the captain is being dropped. Whereas um, after, if he was stripped of the captaincy, he's just another player being dropped on form. So it's not as big a deal, but I'm not sure. I think come the summer, maybe if Aubameyang is closer to leaving, Lacazette will be gone by then, most likely. And plenty of other players will be gone too. So then you can maybe revisit it. But for now, I think Aubameyang should stay captain. Yeah, I agree. I think it has to be extreme circumstances to strip Aubameyang of the captain, especially in the middle of the season. I think we should just keep going at it, keep it bang. As you said, I think our recruitment as well has been tribute to that. We've signed very young players now. And I think in the future, we're going to have very a lot of young captains in the squad. As you mentioned, Gabriel, Aaron Ramsdale, we have a lot of young players who possess the ability to be a leadership. And you can tell they've got the leadership trait. They just need to have a bit more experience. And you said Ramsdale's just signed for the club. It's a new club yeah. for him. It's a big club and it's going to take him time to, you know, really get used to things. And he will make mistakes and he will sometimes maybe even have to come out of the side sometimes. So you can't really get put that pressure on such a young player at, at an early stage in his Arsenal career. But Kai, another young player who we did sign in the summer and actually has done very well against Southampton was Martin Erdegaard. And there's been a, a little revival, hasn't there? Yeah, uh, he's scoring lots of goals right now. And I think if you look at the goals, they're all pretty similar, the way he's got them, sort of those late arrivals into the penalty area and then just finishing when unmarked. I think those are really clever runs. And those are the kind of runs that defenders really struggle to deal with because generally the striker will run towards sort of the front post and maybe get one player go to the back post. But it's very rarely when you're looking for the cutback, which is where... Mikel Arteta wants Arsenal to play to so often. Uh, if you look at the way Pep Guardiola does it at Manchester City, it's very similar to that style. So there's very rarely someone marking the penalty spot. And if Erdegaard can keep arriving a little bit later, keep getting on the end of those kind of balls, he'll he'll get goals. He'll get maybe 10, 15 goals a season because he that's the kind of goal that's really, sort of, I guess, easy to score. Um, he did it a little bit last season. If you think that's his goal in the North London derby against Spurs, um, that was very similar. Uh, so he's always had it in his locker. I think Mikel Arteta was saying he's just sort of trying to convince him to to play that kind of game and make those late arriving runs. And I think now Odegaard is seeing that he can get those opportunities and get those goals. He's definitely going to start doing it more because he's incentivized to do it more. So unless teams pick up on it, and even if they do, it's very difficult to stop. Um, I can't really see it stopping as a, a tactic. If Arsenal are able to get the ball to that byline, then those late runs are really effective and Odegaard can get a lot more goals this season. And Aside from that, I think he's growing as a leader in the squad. So I saw him bossing people around on Saturday, which was really nice to see. Um, you can tell that he's sort of starting to feel a little bit more confident in the fact that he's got a regular starting place in this Arsenal side uh, on a permanent basis, which is something he's never really had in his career before. He's always been on loan. Uh, Real Madrid, he was never a regular starter. So now for the first time, he seems to have that security and he's thriving. Um, hopefully it can continue for a long time because we saw some of those tricks and flicks and those intricate little Mesut Ozil-style passes. Mm -hmm. If Erdegaard can keep doing it and keep playing with confidence, Arsenal have a, a hell of a player on their hands who is now adding goals to his game as well, which is really exciting. 
Exactly. I think he's starting to show shades for last season. I remember the game against West Ham when we drew 3-3. Erdegaard played a major part in that. And I think he really put the team on his back that day. And I think he's starting to do the same again. Yeah, we did lose against Everton, but he scored the crucial goal. And then he scored the goal against Southampton, which we really needed. Because as you said, that first half of the first half wasn't the greatest from Arsenal. But um, of course, his goal, his second goal really put almost a nail in the coffin for the game. But um, Kaya, Arsenal, uh, sorry, Erdegaard really has to thank Kieran Tierney as well because Kieran Tierney <laughs> provided two assists for him. Now, we know Chelsea use Ben Chilwell a lot as the, they use, sorry, Ben Chilwell after his injury as the lot as the goal contributor for the team. Now, with Tierney's last two games, he had two assists. Is that something Arteta could look to explore as well? Possibly. Um, we've, we've always joked in the past as Arsenal sort of observers that Arsenal go down the Kieran Tierney yeah. sort of superhighway on the left flank and don't really do a lot else in terms of attack so it's something they, they have exploited a lot in the past I think the diversity to their attack with Tommy Asu playing so well is also enabling Kieran Tierney to do much better but I don't think he actually got forward that much I didn't notice him that much in the game apart from the assist it was the same at Everton um, I thought he played well against Everton but I didn't notice him much apart from the assist which is fine I think if he keeps playing like that I think it's good I think Arsenal um, need a player like him who's good at <coughs> pardon me in the final third and yeah he's, he's a great player and I think a lot of people maybe forgot that when Tavares came in and played well people forgot how good Kieran Tierney is but he's a quality player Kieran Tierney and Arsenal are very lucky to have him yeah I completely agree yeah. I think having a left foot on the left hand side has been we did miss that Nuno Tavares has been excellent but of course we had Nuno Tavares who's right footed and then also before on the left hand side that was also right footed I think well, I think he is left foot in Tavares. I think he's just really oh, good on his right. Okay, interesting, interesting. But yeah, very good with his right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so having Tierney back is definitely a breath of fresh air down the left hand side because he's experienced and he knows how to. He's found Odegaard for the last two goals, of course. So that is really important. And we've spoken about Odegaard and Tierney, Kieran Tierney, who recently lost their places in the side. But uh, Kaya, one person who hasn't been able to get back in the side that is Nicola Pepe. Now I think he has twelve minutes in his last eight Premier League games. However. <laughs> He did come on against Southampton. Is this a sign of more minutes to come for him? Maybe. Uh, maybe if Fabian continues to be out of the squad for Wednesday, then yeah, you would think so. Um, I think it's a sign, a good sign that sort of they seem to be uh, ingratiating him back, integrating him, sorry, back into the squad. Uh, he is a, he's a very good player, Nicolas Pepe. He's very consistent, which is really frustrating. And we all know that, I think, by now. But we also know the goal threat that he provides. And for a team that struggles to score goals as much as Arsenal, they can't really afford to turn that down right now. So I don't think he gets into the team on merit. I think uh, Pepe is behind Martinelli, Smith-Rowe, Saka, Lacazette in the pecking order right now. Odegaard as well, of course, he's including those forward positions. But he's definitely a player who you want to keep happy and keep off the bench. And personally, someone who I think should be being used ahead of a player like Eddie Nketiah. Um, I don't know what happened in between those two periods where Pepe seemed to just fall down the pecking order. Maybe it was just a selection thing. Maybe it was just training. I don't know. But... Um, now we're seeing Pepe back and maybe he'll be more involved against West Ham we'll have to wait and see we will have to wait and see I think we have Leeds as well coming up we know what happened there after Allen Road he did get sent off but after that game I think he really changed and his season really improved from there didn't it so maybe yeah, he, yeah. no it's, it's a similar similar situation to last season where first half of last season he was more or less out the side mm -hmm. second half of the season came in one of the most important players so things can change very quickly and uh, Nicolas Pepe is a prime example of that Absolutely, absolutely. And you mentioned briefly Gabriel Martinelli there. And let's just talk about him. I mean, he's been excellent, hasn't he, since coming back into the side? Yeah, yeah. I love Gabriel Martinelli. I think he's a great player. I think sometimes he's just a bit too keen to force things uh, when they're not necessarily on because he's so anxious to try and impress, so 
looking to get a goal straight away and assist and impact the game directly. Sometimes he doesn't quite do what the game requires, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, he's a great player. Um, and I think we're seeing that. A lot of that sort of force of will is what makes him such a good player as well at the same time. He just needs to harness it and just sort of play a little bit more with his head up. But he's, he's playing a lot more sensible. Um, it was interesting in those final few minutes he played centre forward as well. Maybe that's a sign of something Arteta might be thinking uh, in midweek. If uh, um, if you look at maybe Martinelli, Williams, the middle, Smith Rowe is available again, maybe he'll come back in. But yeah, Martinelli's a fantastic player. Another assist for the corner for Gabriel. Uh, he's contributed in all of his games, maybe not with a goal or assist against Everton, but that run created the space for Erdegaard. Again, the run created the space for Erdegaard against um, Southampton. And I think a lot of the the good stuff that Arsenal have done going forward in the past few games have been from Gabriel Martinelli, and uh, he's in a great run of form, which, as Nicola Pepe and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang are about to head off for AFCON, is fantastic timing for Arsenal. Perfect timing, perfect timing. I think you mentioned how Martinelli has been quality and... Jurgen Klopp actually said, I remember a couple of years ago, I think after Martinelli scored um, two goals in the Carabao Cup against Liverpool, he played a striker that day. And Jurgen Klopp did label him an incredible striker. So maybe that is a position for him in the future. And Kai, you did mention about how Smith Rowe is going to return to the squad now. Of course, we have three excellent youngsters. We have Gabriel Martinelli, Bakari Saka and Smith Rowe and Martinelli. So what, what would you do? How would you fit all three in a squad? Do you play Martinelli striker, as you mentioned? Uh, it's tough. I don't know if I do play all three. I think one of them's going to have to sit it out on Wednesday, which is really harsh. Um, probably based on form, would that be Smith Rowe? But then Smith Rowe's probably been Arsenal's best player this season. So it's really, really difficult for Mikel Arteta. Um, I think Lacazette did a decent job of providing a focal point against uh, Southampton without being exceptional. You know, I thought he was okay. He obviously got the goal, but I don't think he did that much sort of outstanding that we've seen him do in the past. Um, would Gabriel Martinelli do a better job in the number nine role as a focal point for the Arsenal attack? I'm not so sure. I like him coming in off the wings. I think I've decided personally that for me, the wings are his best position, but the wings are also Mr. Throw and Bukaya Zaka's best position. And you're not going to drop either of them too. So I genuinely don't know what I do. I'll be happy with whatever sort of circumstance goes for. I'm just thinking up against the right back, uh, maybe, or it would be Johnson. I'm not sure what the West Ham team uses, but, um, maybe you think Martinelli will be able to take advantage of that um, just because he's maybe not the quickest, but he's also very defensively solid. So I really don't know. <laughs> Sorry, in answer to your question, I, I just don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a positive selection headache to have. It's a headache you do want. I think before, in previous seasons, we've lacked creativity. So and so it's good to have Smith Rowe. It's good to have this headache on the wings and in the central midfield because Erdegaard, usually you could say that Smith Rowe maybe comes into the, in the centre and then have Martelli in a second on the wings. But Erdegaard's emergence, you can't do that now because you need to keep him in the side. So that would be very hard to do. But just touching on the West Ham game, Kai, and the importance of it. Now, of course, West Ham are basically our top four rivals. If we are striving to get in there this season, just how important will this be if we do manage to get a win in that? Huge. Um, there's talks that maybe Manchester United's game against Brentford is going to be suspended because of COVID. So could be a sign that Arsenal can really, I think, go above West Ham, like you were saying. Was that correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The table. So that would put them up into fourth with a win because uh, Spurs game may also be... We don't know what the situation is there and obviously wishing them all the best and hopefully those games do go ahead. But if Arsenal are able to get into the top four just ahead of these Christmas fixtures, even if it's with other teams having games in hand, just having points on the board is always a good thing. And um, just psychologically, being in the top four would be great. And West Ham have been dropping a few points recently. They're obviously a really good team and I think to, to rule them out would be 
foolish thing to do. They beat Chelsea. They beat Liverpool. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. they beat yeah. Liverpool. Um, I think they got points against Man City. Um, so very, very good side. And what they do is just so effective. They just they they don't they don't mess around. They get it forward quickly. Uh, they played to Antonio, who I think could have a little bit of joy up against some of the Arsenal defenders. We'll see how sort of physically ready they are. Um, maybe that's an old stereotype. I'm not sure, but yeah going to be a big game for Arsenal and if they're able to come away with it from come away from it sorry with three points then that'll be a real real sign that they are definite top four contenders because I think personally West Ham are going to be in the mix until the very end of the season absolutely I believe, I believe the game is at the Emirates Stadium and just yes. we've we've been really good this season at home haven't we Kai? we've got one of the best records in the league and just not playing that West Ham Stadium how important would this be for Arsenal how much of a benefit would that be for us uh, hopefully a big one. I think Arsenal's fans are pretty happy to be on board with the Arsenal team right now with the way that they played on Saturday. I thought maybe they'd be a bit more uh, negative, especially after that start, but they seem to have been won over by the fact that Arsenal played well from sort of the last three quarters of the game. So yeah, I think um, that could be could be big. And we've had some good days against Spurs, against Aston Villa. Um, those kind of atmospheres have been fantastic. So hopefully that'll be another another great night under the lights uh, at the Emirates. Absolutely. Because I think in the previous two games, we lost against course against Everton and Manchester United. And we went down into, went into a little meltdown a little bit, saying, oh, top four hopes are all lost. But if we do beat Southampton, we do beat West Ham, have we turned that corner? Can we really look positive and think, OK, this is real. This is real here. It's hard to say with such a young side, uh, whether there even is such a thing as turning a corner because they're, they're going to be inconsistent. They're all 24, 23 or under, except for obviously Aubameyang, Lacazette, Party, Jack and those guys. But generally, this squad is really young. So to expect them to be consistent and to say sort of definitive statements like Arsenal have turned the corner or Arsenal are on a negative run, like I find them quite difficult to stick to. So I wouldn't want to say after two games or three games or however many games Arsenal have turned the corner because I think the next defeat is only sort of a few matches away. That's just the reality of where Arsenal are in their development right now. But I think confidence-wise, it would be massive for Arsenal. And the way they play, we saw on Saturday that when they're a team filled with confidence, they're able to play a lot better football. So I think that'd be a very big thing for them if they're able to, to get those wins. But it's a big if, and we shouldn't take for granted that Arsenal are going to beat West Ham because it's far from a foregone conclusion. Oh, absolutely. We should not... Be, we should not be comfortable with that game but Kai of course as we do at the end of every show I know it's early at the moment but this is the last time you'll be on the show of course before the West Ham game so I think it's only right I get a score prediction an early score prediction but a score prediction from you for the West Ham yeah match. it's a hard one because I don't know the team news just yeah. yet um, that will obviously come out we're recording this on Monday that will come out on Tuesday for the press conference but uh, let's go 2-1 to Arsenal so you want yeah. to ask me? I'll yeah. take that. I'll take that. I'll why take not? that. I think we will yeah, take it. Yeah, I'll, I'm also going to, I'm going to copy you there. I'm going to go with 2-1 to Arsenal. Still Arsenal my prediction. <laughs> exactly. It has to be done. But let's hope we are both right. Kyle, you've been a legend for the show. Thank you, mate. Thank you for having me on. So thank you guys. That is the end of the show. Now make sure you follow Kaya on Twitter and me on Twitter as well at KayaKayak97 and me at BaileyKayo underscore. There'll be more press box episodes coming your way shortly. You can be assured of that. But more, most importantly, guys, make sure you keep following us down the Arsenal way. Yeah.